What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. We gon' make it all the way. We don't care what they all will say. Don't listen to the hate, no, listen to my hate, you're destined to be great. Welcome back, everyone, for another exciting episode on the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Today, myself, Derek, and my dear friend, Steve Vandegraaff, will be joining you. Wherever you may be, whether that's on a beach somewhere or in the kitchen while you're doing dishes, your morning jog, whatever, we are happy that we are with you. Steve, what's been going on for you? Not too much. I wish I was jogging or on a beach, but things are going well. Let's see. It's fall. We're getting close to it finally in Georgia. It's my favorite time of year, and we've got a couple soccer games this afternoon, actually, so... I'm really looking forward to that. I just kind of love sitting on the grass and watching the kids play. It's kind of like my thing on the weekends. I like it. What are you doing? What's happening in Lufkin these days, Derek? Definitely not sitting in the grass here in uh, East Texas. (laughs) There's too many chiggers or fire ants or critters. uh, That's a a danger zone (laughs) in the grass. Sounds pleasant. But yeah. No, actually, I've been working on some fitness goals. Oh. So, I mean, I've told you before, but a little over a year ago, I started going to the gym with a personal trainer. It was really like the first time in my life that I made going to the gym an actual habit. So I've become a lot stronger, but I'm still not really satisfied with my results. So I have hired a different personal trainer (laughs) and... uh, (laughs) I am trying to take things to the next level. So they're basically structuring my life at this point, telling me what I can and can't eat, how much to work out, how many steps to take in a day. (laughs) So I'm excited for the process, but as with anything, it's really tough in the beginning. (laughs) Sounds like you're becoming a Navy SEAL or something. I have this (laughs) image of like multiple like coaches around you, like yelling at you while you do push-ups or something. It's all online, actually. So it's really similar to how we do our coaching. There's basically like a weekly check-in where I record everything that I did throughout the week, how I'm feeling about things. So it's actually been really cool to kind of experience things through the eyes of someone that's That's being coached through a process. Yeah, so it, it has been really cool. And it reminds me to practice ownership. You know, in the very beginning, every day feels so overwhelming and there's so many things that you're kind of worrying about But what you're trying to do is to front load the process and so that you put in all the time and, you know, struggle through that those first few months, that first year so that, you know, a year later, the process is going to be a lot more fluid and require less effort and time. So I guess that's kind of what it feels like for me right now. It feels very intentional. There's a lot of planning and prepping, but Hopefully a year from now, it'll feel much more natural, but man, a year just feels so far away. <laughs> well, we need to get a bod picture on the Facebook page in a year and so, so we can follow uh, up on this. <laughs> that's a good motivation. I could do that if it was a year from now. You know, that's really impressive though. And it makes me think of the listeners out there. They may, you guys might not know this about Derek, but when we were in dental school, he once entered a new year weight loss competition, of course, for a cash prize. That was the only motivation. And so he went into it with a plan. He intentionally 
you, like you put on as much weight as possible, like October through December, just like gorging everything. And then the day after weigh-ins on January 1st, like you ate nothing for three months. <laughs> and it was probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. It really made dental joy, it's dental school enjoyable, at least. <laughs> <laughs> That was not the most enjoyable thing, but I lost almost 60 pounds in 12 weeks. <laughs> what was the net though? Like before you like started gaining and oh, then dropping? Yeah, I think I went, I started out at like 215 or 220. I got up to 241. <laughs> so I gained 20 to 25 pounds in a couple months, really kind of trying to put things on. And then uh, basically, so I guess what up 20 and down 60 so the net was about like a loss of like 40 that it was worth it <laughs> yeah it was it was interesting it uh, probably wasn't the smartest thing i mean it definitely wasn't the smartest thing to do but oh it's gonna go down in glory though it was worth it yeah <laughs> so okay let's get into this for today i want to discuss one of my favorite topics which is increasing same day treatment and the reason why this is one of my favorite topics is because this is something that's so important for every dentist to understand. And I want to go through a few of those points to kind of lay the foundation for why this is so important before we go into more detail in it. When I begin working with a new dentist, a lot of the time we are looking for ways that we can increase cash flow immediately. And this generally includes a discussion about increasing production. Obviously, there are many ways to increase production, but focusing on improving and increasing the amount of same-day treatment we do has a high potential to immediately boost production. So that's one. Another reason that this is so important to understand is that this is a great practice to put into play during times of the year where your office may be slower. I can't tell you how many days I've had where, you know, we've had a couple holes in the schedule from cancellations or whatever, or, you know, I'm not super thrilled about how the day is looking when I come into the office, but then we're able to work in same day treatment and still reach our daily goal for production. Yeah, I totally agree. I'd say, I don't know if my office experience is unique, but maybe like half of the doctor production on some days is just from same day dentistry, things that were not treatment planned until the patient came in that day. So I agree. It's, you know, this is a mantra you want to have at your office. You're going to get patients in and you want to do dentistry the same day. This kind of helps your practice because while you may not be able to crush it every day, we all have the, you know, the slower times, this saves or removes at least the bad days, if that makes sense. So it kind of evens everything out. I, yeah, I think I think that's what it is. I mean, hopefully we are hitting our goals uh, as much as possible. But when, on those days, things are you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have times where things, you know, kind of fall apart. And if you have the mentality of, look, we still have a goal and I am going to do everything in my power to still reach that goal same day treatment is a great way to make that happen. You know, there's a lot of, I will say this, but you know, if, there's a lot of different tools that you can have in your toolbox. And the more, the more rebuttals or the more ways that you have to come back against certain things that come up, the higher level you're going to continue performing and reaching. Right, right. Okay, that's kind of my thoughts on why this is so important. So let's get into it. 
I've shared this many times before, but most of the dentists that we are working with are looking to increase their production based on how much time they're in the office. So whether that means keeping the same hours and increasing or cutting back clinical hours while maintaining or growing that level of of production is what we're looking at. When these become our big picture goals, each hour of each day in the office becomes critical in order to be reaching our goals and to experience success. So we do everything that we can to create the most efficient and productive schedule possible. But like I said, you know, you're going to have days where things don't go as planned and we will experience that. Mm -hmm. But making efforts to add same day treatment should be a huge go to. If you have an opening, there's no better patient to get to commit than one that is already in your practice. So we're going to kind of go through some different scenarios and, and break this down a bit. So first, we'll go through patients that are coming in for like recalls or comprehensive exams. And then we will switch and kind of look at patients that are coming in on the doctor's side of the schedule. So First, let's talk about if a patient is coming in through hygiene. In your office, you may be as the dentist seeing new patients, but this is kind of the way that we're going to break it down a little bit is just by going through hygiene and then doctor. Yeah, traditional route. So if the patient is coming through hygiene, this is a great opportunity to increase case acceptance. We often discuss case acceptance in many different aspects, trying to figure out how to improve But if you can perform same-day treatment, the patient has accepted the treatment. So, I mean, it's not something where you have to see if they're going to follow through after that. You know, they don't have another appointment they have to hold true to. If they're already in the office, they're there. So offering same-day treatment can also be a great way to increase productivity in your schedule, specifically treatment that takes chair time but is less productive, like patients that are only needing a a single surface filling or impressions for something or, you know, stuff like that. With those patients, I usually say, we can get this taken care of very easily today and save you a trip if you'd like. It'll just take a few minutes. And most patients hate having to schedule another visit for something. So generally, they love being able to take advantage of this. Yeah. You know, and if your hygienists aren't used to this, having, you know, you do some operative or some other work in their chair, in their column. It might require a little training and direction for them. But if they can move quickly and maybe assist on a quick procedure here or there, it can go a long way if you need it to. If that doesn't work, you can just have an assistant come in and help for it. Obviously, you'll want to have hygiene columns stocked for already at least for some basic operative stuff if it's not already. But this is best. Just a few minutes of extra time at your recall exam. You're not changing chairs. The patient is finished. Yeah. And this helps in a couple ways. It does add to the production for that day, but it also helps because it frees up a spot that would have been scheduled in the future, allowing for more productive restorative appointments. So yes, there will probably be some patients that, uh, opt to do it on a different day, and that's fine. But the key here is to offer it and to make it as seamless as possible. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, we all know the feeling of looking on the schedule and seeing like a one surface, one filling, you know, taking up an hour or some chunk of time in your own chair. So, I mean, you're not just adding production. 
you know, doing an incisal or doing a children's extraction real quick. But you, really, you're just keeping the light stuff out of your real columns, if that makes sense. So you, you get a little production, but really you're you're filtering out the little stuff to keep you productive in your regular columns, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Okay, so here's another way to increase same production with these patients. And ultimately, this will be run by your hygienist, but in the beginning, you'll need to train them. What you do is come into the office with plenty of time in the morning to review patients that your hygienist is going to be seeing that day. Do this with the hygienist because, like I said, the ultimate goal is to get them to be doing this on their own eventually. But what you're doing is looking through all the patients for that day and what can be offered to them. Obvious things that, you know, hygienists should be doing anyway or looking at x-rays that need to be taken, offering fluoride, stuff like that. But they can also be looking at unscheduled treatment that patients have. So then looking at the schedule to see where there may be opportunities to fit those patients in. Then when the patient begins their cleaning, they can bring it up with the patient. You know, like, oh, Mrs. Abbott, we have some treatment that we talked about getting done last time when you were in. We may actually have some time after your cleaning to get it done today if you'd like to. It'll save you a trip and, you know, we can make it really easy for you. Some patients may decline, but there will be a good amount that will take them up on the offer. And I've even had some patients that initially told the hygienist that they were not interested, they didn't want to get it done, but then they changed their mind by the end of the profi and we were able to work them in. The key is you never know until you ask. So we need to be presenting these types of options to our patients. Yeah, that's a good idea. I've I've never thought of that. I mean, I usually mention it when I come in, but if you have the hygienist mention it before they start, kind of like the, let the idea marinate more or less. That's yeah, that's a good idea. So let's move on now to patients that are coming in not through hygiene, but on the doctor side. So there's a couple ways we can increase same day treatment on patients that are on our side of the schedule. We're looking at patients that are already planned for work, and how might we increase that? and the patients that are in for limited exams, which will need to be converted into actual treatment. So it's not planned yet. First, patients that are already on the schedule for pre-planned work. So at the beginning of the appointment, look at all the treatment that's on their chart and offer to complete more of it if your schedule allows. You know, we look at our schedule and and our treatment plan and think, okay, interproximals and number three and four, number 19 needs a crown. And, and then we kind of think in our mind how, you know, how we can break that up in between appointments. But patients, they don't think like that. You know, for them, in their mind, they're just thinking, my mouth needs a bunch of work. I've got problems. So just simply offer to get more of it done during that same appointment. Pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And I think what you're pointing out is the patient perception of things. So I actually have a dentist that I'm working with who recently purchased a practice. I just talked to him a couple days ago on the phone and he was sharing with me how his patient's perception is almost the opposite of what you said. And it's because of the seller dentist. I mean, they just did one tooth at a time dentistry. And so that's just what patients assumed how dentistry is done. That's not a good thing to untrain. Yeah. Right. So, you know, when I was talking to him, we go back through the process of diagnosis, treatment planning, case acceptance, and kind of see how 
you know, who's having the discussions with the patients? How is everything flowing? But a big part, it's all about setting expectations for our patients. So in this case, you know, the dentist wasn't sure exactly how to make this change, but it mainly came down to training the staff, how to discuss things, and then just changing the verbiage when we're giving options to our patients, you know, so something simple by saying, yeah, we can, you know, we can get it all done at the same time. If you'd like, that'd be totally fine. Let me share one more thing that is key in improving acceptance in this scenario. I'll just I'll just give your example, Steve. So like you talked about three and four interproximals, number 19 needs a crown. So let's say that the patient came in and they're planning on number four and five getting done. So I look at the treatment plan and I see, okay, we're planning on number four and number five. And I could basically just ask them if if I have time, if they want to get done the crown on number 19 as well. But instead of just simply asking if they want to get that crown done on number 19, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a picture of, of number 19 on the screen, on the TV in front of them. I'm going to explain, you know, show them what it looks like, explain why it needs a crown. And then I will ask. Yeah. You're not like, you're not piling treatment on. You're kind of helping them visualize that you're chipping away at their problem, basically. Yeah. I'm going to pull up this picture and I will tell them why the tooth needs a crown and then ask them if they'd like to get it done. So let me give a simple scenario of how I kind of word this. Mrs. Costello, okay, I've been looking at your treatment plan and the work that you need to have done. Today, we're planning on doing a couple fillings on these teeth with cavities. In looking at your treatment plan, you also have this tooth. And so while I'm putting it, the tooth on the TV, that's breaking down and has a cavity. And, you know, we've talked about that it needs a crown. If you want to knock it out today, we can do that as well. It will only take a few more minutes. And then, you know, you'll just have to get numb once and it'll save you a trip. And then I just listened to their response. Notice, I didn't say anything about where the teeth oh, are yeah. at. You know, I didn't say, You're crossing well, the this line. is on one side yeah. and, you know, this, the <laughs> other one's on the other side. And, you know, uh, some, some patients swallow their tongue sometimes, but... Uh, probably won't happen to you. Um, yeah, I don't say anything about where it's at. They're probably going to ask and they're going to say, okay, well, which ones? Oh, it's okay. So it's this on the upper right, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, or they'll say, okay, yeah, that's fine. We can go ahead and do it. And then I'll tell them, okay, I'm going to get you numb here and here. This is where we're looking at. Yeah. And so another situation that's similar, but a little different occurs when we're discovering something new during the procedure that we didn't see before. And this is something we're all familiar with happens probably almost every day. You're doing, you know, crown prep on three. And when you open it up, you're finding something on four or two. So we, we all go through this so often. And every time you're faced with a decision, do I bring it up and offer to get it done? Or are they already paying a lot of money? And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, to make it more than we already talked about. I'm worried what they'll think about me. Uh, let's let's discuss it at the next exam. So let's get one thing into everybody's head for everyone that's listening. Don't worry about what your patients are going to think. Just let them make the decision. Whenever you see treatment that you believe would help them, just bring it up and then let them decide if they want to get it done. Don't decide for them. So in the situation of, you know, something on tooth number four while you're working on three, every single time, take a picture of it show the patient, ask if they'd like to go ahead and get it done right now while they're numb. It's open. I can see it. It'll just be a minute. It'll instead of having to come back as you do this, pretty much everyone is going to go ahead and get it done. You know, they may like, you know, shrug a little bit, be unhappy, but you're doing them a favor. It's easier for them. It's better for you. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is a great point because I think this is a huge opportunity because in my experience, this is like almost a hundred percent case acceptance. It's, I mean, people see the picture and they're like, it's got to be done at some point. I'm already numb. I'm already here. It's going to take a few minutes. Okay. Just go ahead and get it done. So, I mean, and I, I had an example of this just a few days ago. A patient came in. We had done an exam, a comprehensive exam. He basically needed one filling and he need, needed his wisdom teeth out. He said that he didn't want to get his wisdom teeth out. The filling that he needed was number 15, just OL. And that's, so that's, and he's one of the ones that didn't want to do it that day. So we had a separate appointment set up for him. So anyway, I got him numb and then... I did the filling and there was some decay on number 16 and I just took a picture of it and I sat him up and I just told him, look, you know, I know we talked about this a little bit. This tooth though needs to come out at some point. If you want to, we can go ahead and take care of it really quick and, uh, you know, be done with it for now. And he said, okay. And it literally took an extra 45 seconds to take it out and it added $300 of production for a day. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. You know, in dental school, we kind of were trained to think in treatment phases. So, you know, phase one, you got to do pain relief or surgical. Then you do your periodontal. After that's all all in good order, then you move to restorative. Then finally, pros or, or tooth replacement. And, you know, this might rub some clinicians wrong, but it is very productive for you. And it's very convenient for the patient if you don't limit yourself and your appointments to that specific sequence. So for example, if a patient needs a tooth pulled out and we couldn't do it in their first visit, we like to do it at the end of their SRP appointments. They're already numb. They're already in the hygienist column. It's not even on my schedule. So I literally walk in and take out a tooth or two. You know, we like to do fillings or, you know, we'll do fillings and crown cementations during the same appointments as our impressions for like removable or other things. Basically, you get the idea. Just don't be afraid to combine different types of treatment. Exactly. This is one thing that many dentists don't grasp when we're talking about increasing production. A lot of people hear the talk about increasing production and, and immediately what they think of is big cosmetic cases or all on four stuff like that. Well, so, I mean, yeah, those practices are probably going to be hitting better numbers if, if they have the demand for that. But when we hear about those practices, we kind of feel like it's, I mean, you may feel like it's out of reach. You know, there's a lot of changes that need to happen in order to be able to do those types of cases. But the reality is you can hit great numbers in a bread and butter practice you can take small steps like these, you know, so nothing that we've shared is like huge, but all of those little things add up and they're little steps, you know, that help you and you're doing them all throughout the day. It's really going to add up, but it is a very intentional process. Mm -hmm. You know, if you step back and just take it easy, it's going to show. So we've talked about, now we've gone through patients that are already on the schedule for work to be completed. So now let's talk about limited exams. So if the patient is in for a limited exam and, you know, have a spe- has a specific chief complaint, I will always make sure to address that. But I'm also going to offer, if we have time, to complete other work that we see that they need in the area where we are working. The big idea here is to get more done in the same appointment, which is, you know, a big recurring theme here. The more you can get away from single tooth dentistry, the more productive your schedule will be. So... Every time you switch patients, time and materials are lost. The room needs to be cleaned, new materials and instruments set out. 
if you think about a specific operatory and what exactly happens during, you know, maybe like an eight hour period, try and imagine how much of that time is spent cleaning and setting up a room. You know, so I've, I've heard Dennis debate over like the, the actual physical costs of stuff, but it's not so much the little cost and physical costs that add up, but it's that, I mean, it's this idea that you only have eight hours in the day. And so let's try and maximize that eight hours. It's time that we're losing in this situation. I agree. I just like to kind of stress how important emergency or limited exam patients are. So these, I think, are the best patients for your practice. And here's why. 99.9% of the time for people out there, teeth and dental visits are really just like the last thing on their mind. It's at the bottom or not on their to-do list. You know, with so much going on, there's just too many things that are way more important than us. And we can all relate to that. That is the case until, however, they have a problem. For example, pain or a broken tooth. Then, and maybe only for a short time, for that person, there is nothing more important in their world than dental work. So like even with recall patients, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but lots of times I come in for an exam and they're like, oh, you better not find anything. You know, they don't, they don't want to hear it. But when an emergency patient comes in, it's just important to internalize that when you have limited exams, the treatment you're presenting is finally they're the number one priority in their life. Everything else comes second. So, you know, it's not opportunism. We're, we're going to just take advantage to help them while they're finally and perhaps temporarily ready for treatment. So present everything you can do and, and everything that you see they need. And just like you said, you know, if you're looking at a quadrant or the quadrant in concern, you know, their upper left is hurting them. You know, we're trained to find out which tooth is causing the problem and do that, but diagnose the whole quadrant, right? If people come in because they need a tooth removed, it's likely the same neglect means that they need to have more than one tooth removed. Maybe that's just the South where I am. I don't know. But I always try to do, for example, if they need a tooth pulled, all their other needed extractions at the same time. This might sound crazy, but we do lots of walk-in wisdom teeth that way. Someone has a tooth that needs to come out, they're already numb, and I say, hey, you've got some wisdom teeth back here that need to come out too. It's going to be a half hour either way if you want. We can take care of it while you're here. And lots of people do it. So take advantage of that time when dentistry is finally on the top of their priority list and do as much as you can. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And even like you're saying, uh, their neglect yeah, probably means yeah. they have other teeth that need to be extracted as well. But, you know, maybe some just need fillings or whatever. Go ahead and do the fillings first and then and then pull the tooth last. But, yeah, it's uh, you're right. It's, it's exactly just about maximizing our time. A, a quick kind of a side note tip. I heard this somewhere, and this is something that I'll do. When a patient comes in for a limited exam and wants something done, as soon as I have a diagnosis, I'll offer to get them numb and then let that set in while we talk about treatment options. If they need to work out finances, I can just leave the room. When they're ready to go, we don't have to start from square one by getting them numb. They're already numb and they're ready to go. The other nice thing about this is that sometimes patients in pain will make decisions differently yeah. than when they are not in pain. So I've had the experience several times where someone comes in with pain telling me, I just want to get the tooth out. And 
So I'll do my stuff. I'll get my diagnosis and I, I'll offer that to them. I'll say, okay, why don't, why don't you let me go ahead and get you numb? And then we can talk about options. And they're, you know, they're just happy to get the pain gone. So I'll go ahead and get them numb. Then as soon as their pain goes away, because they're getting numb, the clarity in their mind gets better and they end up deciding to do the endo and, and crown or, you know, whatever, but they decide to restore the tooth. And it makes you seem compassionate too, because you know, you're like, Hey, first things first, let's get you out of pain and then we'll talk. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give a warning to everyone. Try not to freak out about this next part. I will at times negotiate with a patient about fees for whatever treatment that we are discussing. Yes, I am a health professional and willing to negotiate with patients. I hear all the time, we need to value our services, you know, dentistry is getting cheap, whatever. And while I agree with that sentiment, I am also a big believer that general rules don't work all the time. Whoa, whoa, Derek, Derek. <laughs> You're usually about raising fees, never backing down. This really doesn't sound like you. And I don't know if Justin would feel all right if he heard us talking about this right now. uh good point you know i i am usually the person that's uh you know all about kind of sticking to your guns and stuff but let me explain a little bit more what i'm talking about and this doesn't happen often but i think this is an important tool to have in your toolbox so if i know that i have an open slot coming up I will ask patients if they would like to get the work done. So let's say I go into a hygiene exam and I don't have anything to do for the next 30 minutes or hour and they have work to do. I'll say, you know, I'll say, okay, well, uh, if you'd like to, we can go ahead and get the work done today. If you want to, I had a cancellation and we can work it in. It'll be really pretty easy, actually. If they say yes, we'll just transfer them over and I'm not even going to talk about a discount or anything like that. However, if they seem kind of on the fence about it, or if they say something like, you know, I should really get back to work or something that shows that they probably could make it work if they really wanted to, I will then explain, let me offer you one more thing. I did just have this cancellation. And if you can rearrange your schedule and, you know, stay to get it done, I can offer it to you at a discount. And usually that discounts like 10%. But the amount that you offer is totally up to you. So, okay, so why offer the discount? Well, what's the alternative? The alternative is I sit on my hands during that open slot. You know, in all seriousness, I'm not going to just sit on my hands. I'll find something to do. But really what I want to do is something that adds to our production. I would rather do a procedure at a steep discount than to do nothing at all. I go to work to work. So when I am in the office, I am busting my butt to be able to do dentistry because I know that that is what allows me to have a lifestyle where I can work three days a week and have plenty of time off. Yeah. And this is a really important principle. Lots of dentists, they have in their head, you know, a fixed office policy, whether it's we don't do discounts or no payment plans, 100% upfront. And, you know, you can argue the merits of all that. But the first question is, is what's your schedule like? If you have nothing to lose and everything to gain, I mean, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain if you don't have a patient to work on. So, you know, it's probably the exception rather than the rule, but it's the mindset throughout the day that busy or slow, you're thinking, how can I, how can I be doing more? And if it helps you to that end, then, then it's worth considering it. Yeah. Another thought that I just had too was that I have told patients many times, you know, if they ask for a discount or something, 
even like a senior citizen discount or something like, I'll, you know, I'll kind of laugh and I'll say, you know, yeah, we, we really don't do that. <laughs> but, you know, we love having you here, you know, something like that. So I have told people many times that we just don't do discounts. But, you know, there are situations as well where, I mean, another example is, you know, if someone's kind of on the fence, let's say they have three crowns they need to get done or three extraction and bone grafts or, you know, anything where they have a bunch and they have the option between, they're kind of hemming and hawing between getting it all done in one appointment versus breaking it up and thinking about breaking it up. I'll, I'll tell them, I'll, I'll say, you know what, it, if you can make it work in just one appointment, I can offer you a discount because ultimately that's kind of cutting down on costs for me as well. And I can pass on that discount to you. Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of like the, is the policy the ends or is it a means to an end? And you don't want the policy to be the ends to itself. Your goal is production and the policy will help you get there, but it's basically up to time and circumstance. You don't want to get your, you know, you don't want to get those two reversed. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a time and a place for stuff like this. And a lot of times it can be uncomfortable when you're first offering it or first kind of trying it out. And I really do it pretty rarely. I mean, probably, honestly, probably only a handful of times a year. But again, it's just another one of those things in your toolbox. It's a backup to a backup. So the more things that you can have, the more consistent you're going to be hitting your daily goals. Right, right. Love it. Love it. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, that's pretty much the wrap at that point. The big picture to take away from this is that Really, when it comes down to it, we're trying to have the most productive practices as possible because that's what's going to lead to our lifestyle practice. It's going to allow us to be more productive in the time that we're in our office that will ultimately then provide us more time outside of the office, spending time with our families or hobbies, you know, whatever that means to you. But this is, like I said before, it's a very intentional process. And in the beginning, as you're trying to put into play some of these things, it's going to be more difficult. But, you know, as you keep going, it'll become a little bit more natural. But you always have to be looking. I mean, I don't care how long you've been practicing. You, you still have to be looking for opportunities each and every day if you want to continue performing at a high level. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. We want to know more of you. Reach out to us, whether that's on, on iTunes. Re- leave us a review if you'd like. Join our Facebook page, the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Or if you want to connect directly, you can just email Derek, Steve, or Justin at thelifestylepractice.com. We're here. We'd love to talk with you. Everybody, have a great weekend. Bye. Listen to be great.